welcome. My name is John Gustin, and this is the Three Point Sports Talk podcast. My name, as I said, is John Gustin. I currently work as a news producer for TV, and I am absolutely loving it. In the past, I did another sports talk collaborative that was primarily Michigan and Michigan State, along with the Wolfpack Sports. No, Dog Pound Sports with the Wolfpack at Ferris State University, and now I'm here. I've always loved sports. I've been passionate about it. I've been personally insulted by Tom Izzo, and that was a fantastic moment. Him coming up to me talking afterwards and just having fun with it and just rolling with everything that it brings, and this is exciting. So I am really happy to be back doing something I really enjoy and love, and we're going to hop right in in just a moment just want to explain really quick what the three point is it's a multimedia effort that i've created because it's going to have three different points of uh, development we're going to have the sports angle we're going to talk primarily michigan michigan state along with the professional teams in the state and then nba and nfl a little bit of others might float in there from time to time but that's the primary emphasis sorry baseball fans but if you're a tigers fan right now you probably don't want to talk more tigers unfortunately that's just how it is and then from there the media part is going to be talking you know films dc marvel video games streamers and movies that are in that vein of enjoyment especially any edgar wright films definitely going to do those along with some tv shows so like the marvel netflix series uh, archer altered carbon just a couple to name off the top of my head the, the cw air, superhero block to game of thrones westworld that stuff and then the final part is of lifestyles and primarily the lifestyles is going to be chronicling breweries in the state of michigan and the ones in the region that we check out we're going to get some videos there interview some people it's really fun and i can't wait to share that with you and help share the stories of what this state has to offer but then too when i'm on the road and checking out new places we're gonna do some things with that as well and show off just wherever we come across and I think that's about it. If you got any questions, obviously DM me on Twitter, uh, just do do an at or something, and we'll get it right in there. Uh, You can probably see in the background, the framing's a little different how I would prefer it, but we'll get that adjusted later. There's a Star-Lord helmet and a blaster and a hammer, and I'm a little bit of a nerd, obviously, but we're going to talk sports because I'm also a nerd about sports, and we're going to do a quick rundown of the two teams in the state. Michigan State football. Solid win against Indiana, but that's a team that has never really developed into anything besides they can put up some yardage and never have a defense. And Michigan State still didn't look quite as great. The offensive line got a little bit going, but there's there's a lot of issues with injury and depth on that team right now. And it's really surprising to see that after last year where they had so many young, talented freshmen step up and be able to help develop that team into something like we saw that could gain with BCS teams and be easily a top 15 program to now, you know, eight and four seems like a solid year, which is really a drop off, but that's just where things are at for the moment. We need to see better teams, better tests. I don't think CMU this weekend is going to do it for them, but it'll be a fun game to watch. And then after that, we're going to talk about, you know, a top 10 team in the state. Fair State University. Just going to drop that in there really quick. Their homecoming game this weekend, they've got J.U. Campbell, the former Michigan State commit at quarterback. He is an absolute explosive athlete, and I wonder if he will go D1 at some point in his college career because he definitely has shown the talent to do so, and I believe some team will be looking 
for his help, and he will prove himself at Ferris in multiple ways, for those of you familiar with his story, and go from there. And then, of course, the, the actual one people want to talk about for a highly ranked team in the state, University of Michigan. And Michigan showed off that they have a very dominant offensive line and defensive line against Nebraska, and Nebraska got steamrolled under Scott Frost, who, as people from Florida know, might take a while to get going with some of the winless seasons they've had at UCF before they turned into what they are now. And with Michigan, kind of the same thing with Michigan State, where they've both had barometer games. I do think Arizona State is going to be a good team. I don't think they're going to be a great team. Michigan played against Notre Dame, which I would say the same thing, really. I've never been high up on Notre Dame to the chagrin of some of my friends. So enjoy Tyler and Danny out there, you Notre Dame fans. Enjoy your season and your weak ACC games that don't mean anything and your non-title game. But you know, Notre Dame does have talent, but they're not going to put it together. It's like Georgia. Georgia was always ranked as you know a top 10 team, a top 10 team, and they'd go 9-3. and And they're still not even now near that. I think they've, they've, they've taken a step back as a program, getting new coaches, and they're trying to do something. But with the SEC where it's at, it, it's rough because then it maybe you are a good team, but playing those SEC games. Anyways, we're going off on tangents here. The The point of the story is that Michigan is going to be a strong team until they play an actual strong opponent. And from there, that's that, not a great uh, analysis, but I think Shea Patterson is definitely more of a sit-back-in-the-pocket kind of quarterback, and you're going to build around him. He's not going to be the one to gunsling down through the air I do find it really interesting that Harbaugh, the former quarterback whisperer, the guy who found Andrew Luck, really, hasn't gotten a quarterback at Michigan. He's had transfer quarterbacks, Jake Rudock from Iowa, and now Shea Patterson. Why can't he get his own guy and develop them? It's been four years now. So we'll see about that. But they played Northwestern 430 game Saturday. They're going to win that at home. I think Northwestern might throw a few punches, but... They're not going to be challenged on their schedule until they play Wisconsin. And I think Wisconsin on the 13th of October is going to be a real, real fun game to watch. Michigan State, on the other hand, CMU, then Northwestern, and then Penn State. So the the Northwestern games will be an interesting comparison. Uh, Just back-to-back weeks for Northwestern. Rough schedule so far to just see where they're at equally. And then they host Penn State, which will be the real, real test because they obviously choked against Arizona and otherwise they could have been undefeated heading into that matchup still can make some noise with a one loss team but not quite there but I think Big Ten Championship for now with how the college football playoffs is situated that's going to be a discussion for another time but obviously you all have to think you want an eight-team college football playoff and I get that then that means you can get a two-loss team in there or, or something ridiculous but I think you would mandatory power five teams they all get in. Um, you got to win your conference championship to get in to the top eight. And then from there, you're going to put, I'd say, the best at-larges. And you'd say you also include an undefeated or an 11-1 and if it has like a strength of schedule rating of like 25 or higher or something like that for an independent team. So that way, when you have a UCF team or a Western Michigan team where they do the right things they're supposed to do and win out, 
they can get a shot and then and then stack it. But I think you also put a cap too where you don't put more than two teams from a conference in the playoffs because then I don't need to watch the SEC regular season again. That that's not going to be enjoyable. So two teams maximum conference at large spots, five of them are eaten up. Then you got three remaining. One of those should at least be filled by an independent, if not both. And then, you know, you get your Alabama or your Auburn in the at-large spot. Maybe your Ohio State, Wisconsin, Michigan, depending on the year. And we'll see. So, yay, I fixed college football playoffs, and you're all welcome. But but not really. It, it, it It's going to be a mess. We're going to transition gears to a different football now. We're going to talk pro football. We're going to talk Lions specifically. And they're not completely SOL same old lines because they beat the Patriots, but then they've also lost to the jets and the 49ers and the 49ers, you know, it looks like a solid, if not great team with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback, who is now missing an ACL. And that really hurts the primetime games, the Monday night and the Thursday night games that the 49ers are going to be on, which is going to be less, less enjoyable. And they, they can't flex out of those. So what do we make of it so far that, we're just going to kind of move past the two losses and look at those through the same prism of where this team is now at the Patriots. And, and it'll all just come together. So Lions beat the Patriots. Everybody's excited. Everybody's jacked. Lions beat the Patriots. Patricia beat his old mentor in Belichick. Did he really, though? This Patriots team is far from a finished product. And, and I mean that on a couple levels of one. It's not the same Patriots team. The defense looks like there's holes, there's injuries. They're missing guys like Patrick Chun and things like that. And Kyle Van Noy looks solid, and it's crazy they can get production out of Kyle Van Noy at a good level when the Lions basically traded him away for peanuts. And that's depressing because now linebacker is one of the weakest positions in the Lions, which is sad considering when you had guys like Tulloch there and Levy who were really anchoring that team and injuries got them both. So enough reminiscing on the past lions. Cause we could do that for quite a while on multiple things with the lions. What we want to talk about getting is getting issues with dropping, which is weird for him. Cause that's not a guy I would think that would, would happen with it. He's definitely more of a slot guy. Galladay, I think, is your true deep threat because he is so tall. He's your Calvin Johnson guy in terms of big body, athletic, throw it. He's going to beat the shorter defensive back and make plays. And he definitely looks like he has taken the next step. So if you haven't picked him up and he's available in your fantasy league, grab him because I do think he is a real threat and he should be a scoring threat every week. Running game. It looks like it's developed the offensive line. There's some big names in there. There's been a financial investment. Where do we go from there as Lions or Lions fans with the run game? And what was the real reason that it looked so good? Was it the Patriots' poor defensive line play? Lions that much better? It's a both. Obviously, anytime you have a question like that, it's always a mix of both. But which one does it lean more towards? I would say that it's the Patriots' defensive line just by a little bit much. They don't have really anybody in there on the line. There's no Vince Wilfork, the big body, to, to plug the run, to, to, to get after guys and to stop things. There's no real threat there. And with that, the Lions were able to create good holes, and Kerryon Johnson was able to run through them. The big body back 
the tall athletic back, the Le'Veon Bell, your Marshawn Lynch, your poor man's version of those. What the super rich man's version of Joyke Bell, maybe if you want to go with another lines reference. I think that's what Carrion Johnson brings to the table. He was able to go through those holes. The line was able to pick up guys, but I think that's also because the line didn't have any real mismatches. And we'll see how that develops on the road for the Lions as they carry on. I'm not going to get hyped because this this Patriots team didn't have any real threats at receiver besides Gronk. And maybe them using their running backs as, as gadget plays to try to make something happen. It's kind of depressing. I mean, there's no Amendola at the moment. Wes Welker's been long gone. And they, they haven't had a transcendent talent there since Randy Moss really at the receiver position. I remember when Ocho Cinco came to the Patriots, and it was an exciting idea. It was an exciting concept to see Ocho Cinco with Belichick and what's going to happen. And the playbook just didn't work, and it, it, it didn't mix. And I hope Josh Gordon, what I've heard former teammates say, that he's smart enough to handle this and from a football IQ perspective. And I would really love to see him as a transcendent talent. He's, he would be their most talented player as a pure receiver. Gronk is up there. I could say Aaron Hernandez, too, when he was with the team before that that changed, obviously, with him going to jail. But he was a good player. You have to admit that. And then, what, Wes Welker, Amendola? None of those guys were really super talent. I mean, obviously, Amendola is a good player, and solid fantasy option, but not anything where you're going to be afraid of him. He just is able to take advantage of the Gronk mismatches. But then when you don't have any receivers, obviously Kevin Hogan is a third option when there's two other options, and I don't think he's been able to step up as a second option. Teams are just able to hit Gronk and make that work. So depressing to say that, but don't don't be too excited about what the Lions have done so far. I think the Cowboys, that should be a win for them. They play the Packers. It'll be really interesting to see what happens with Aaron Rodgers' knee because I don't think he's going to get better, obviously, playing on it week to week. If Green Bay can somehow rest him for a couple games and just let him take time off to recover and recuperate, that would be the best for them. I've got Rodgers. I mean, they're playing the Bills. I would say let Deshaun Kaiser do what he needs to do. Play Rodgers one, one and a half quarters, Dunk all over the Bills, put in Kaiser, call today. And obviously don't make that man practice during the week besides anything of just mental reps. Give more to Kaiser. I mean, then the Packers play the 49ers after the Lions on the 15th. So we'll see what happens with that. So in conclusion for football, football, Michigan State, unknown, Probably a little bit weaker team. Nine and three, eight and four, hoping for the best. But they're they're missing too th- too many things. The Magic's not quite there with Connor Cook this year, and the offensive line, big issues. Defense not quite as good as it was. Michigan, overwhelming against weaker opponents. To be determined against bigger opponents. They lost to Notre Dame. Not really impressive there, but they crushed Nebraska with a weak team. So. You could see a 10-2 season easily for them, but disappointing in games like Ohio State and Notre Dame. And we'll see what happens with Michigan State, because Michigan State always gets geared up road game. Maybe both schools end at 9-3, and three, and then you get to just pull a game. Use that for the determining factor of who's better this year. Besides just, you know, who wins that game, the big game, because Little Brother doesn't exist anymore unless you're just saying, hey, Michigan 
has the worst record or is the older school existed as a university when Michigan State was Michigan Agricultural College. But that's irrelevant. I mean, you can get insomnia cookies in both cities. And really, I would say that it, what do you come down to? Lansing's got some fun things to do. Ann Arbor has a lot of fun things to do. Lansing's a lot easier to get around. Ann Arbor, logistical traffic nightmare during game day. And that is frustrating, especially in a night game. Other assorted football thoughts, mostly NFL. Fitzmagic. You really got to think. Fitzmagic. I'm hoping. I picked him up. I dropped to Joe Flacco. I picked up Fitzmagic and throws three interceptions and bounces right back and throws for a ton of yardage. I've never seen him have offensive weapons. Eric Decker doesn't count with the Jets. And then I have no idea who he was throwing to. I mean, they had C.J. Spiller. And, and that's all I can think of for the Bills. And so I think this is the first time he's really had offensive weapons. And I think you can win with an average to above average quarterback with fantastic offensive weapons. And he's making throws and he's being aggressive. And obviously you'd want to dial some of that back, but that defeats the point of it. So similar how Case Keenum did very well with the Vikings. I think Fitzpatrick is going to do better. I like accurate quarterbacks. He is accurate when he isn't throwing in triple coverage. And even then, it's still good throws for the most part, just sometimes bad decisions or you know things happen down the field where the receiver's not quite able to in, be in position to get that thrown ball. And Jameis Winston, get out of here. Um, no real basketball talk to say. Practice is underway for a few teams right now. Michigan, Michigan State. I'll say it right now. If you haven't picked up, I'm a Michigan State fan by trade and by heritage, but I will say that Michigan has had the better basketball program since Beeline has been there. Beeline does seem to be the better modern coach, knows how to work with spacing, knows how to work with big man, and really work how basketball has developed and become, and use low-profile guys to go far and make the most of it. And I think Michigan State, overall, the last couple of years, has been a little disappointing. Early exits in the playoffs and they've had top-tier talent, and then they misuse it, and they mismanagement. Definitely will be interesting to see how Jaron Jackson does for the Memphis Grizzlies, be Memphis Grizzlies, because after Summer League, where he's you know perfect from three-point range, just jacking it up all over, you're wondering, where was that at Michigan State? Was it a fluke? How does that go there? But really, Jackson at the five, Bridges at the four, that should have been your lineup, because Jackson is a perfect pick-and-pop player, inside-out game, Bridges best going downhill with the ball in his hands, able to score or get other guys involved. And then when you throw Nick Ward in there, or just a traditional big, it, it gums things up. And I don't think there would have been an issue with playing, you know, a three-man rotation, kind of working with that, but they never went small ball. And I don't even think small ball is small ball when you got a six, seven guy in college playing power forward. That's that's not bad. That's not crazy. And I just think that's how the game is going, obviously. So, Pistons, we're not going to talk about that besides I miss my homeboy, Anthony Tolliver, and it is going to be very sad and tragic. Without him, Blake Griffin, I think, is definitely going to be underrated and a little good, but Reggie Jackson is like, the wind blows the wrong direction towards his ankles. He's out, and then they're screwed because their third option is Jose Calderon, because they're going to sign him to a minimum besides Chavez Napier, who signed with the minimum for the Nets to also be a third-string point guard. 
And there's a lot that the Pistons Reddit could tell you on how I feel about Napier, but I thought he would have been a good pick. So Kennard hopefully takes the next step and we can just see some fun basketball. But basketball season's right around the corner and I am excited because then you get to have football Monday, Thursday, Sunday, college football Saturday, and then basketball fills in all the gaps. And it is fantastic for a viewing schedule for someone who's not a huge baseball guy. I'm, I'll get in there with the playoffs, but we're not into the playoffs yet. So give me some good playoff game baseball and we'll talk then because I've had the opportunity to work with some amazing baseball teams this year. The Manistee Saints gave me the opportunity to go up and I got to be basically communications in a communications role to help game day produce. And I called a few games and that was an absolute blast. Got a background with Great Lakes Loons. Used to work with them way back in 2014 as an associate producer as well. Worked all the baseball games, their live time talk show. So I do love some baseball, just quality baseball. Please give me some, you know, ball in play. And I think that's going to do it for today. Unless there's anything new we want to really talk about. I don't think there's anything crazy happening. Uh, Maybe Venom. We'll see how that goes. I'll see that sometime too. And then the the new Anna Kendrick movie. Go see Crazy Rich Asian. English. Obviously hard for someone with the microphone in, in front of his face. Crazy Rich Asians. Fantastic movie. I can't recommend it enough. It is a cute date night movie. Definitely go see it with either, you know, date night people, significant other. You'll just enjoy it. It's a well-done movie. It's a well-produced. Have fun with it. And then I'm I'm just kind of waiting around here till Captain Marvel, which is a while off. Aquaman and Fantastic Beasts uh, are the ones off the top of my head. I don't think John Wick comes up till next year, John Wick 3. So before I ramble anymore, we're just going to cut it off right there. So thank you so much for listening. Follow us at the three point on Twitter, three point.com. And I'll talk to you next time.